Well, good morning, welcome, and happy Easter. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning or an app on your, or, uh, app on your device, uh, feel free to grab one of the Bibles out of the pews. Um, and if you don't have a Bible at home and you would like to have one, uh, please, at the end of the service, take that Bible out of the back of the pew, uh, tuck it under your arm and walk out the door with it this morning. Well, we want everybody to have a Bible that they can read uh, and study and reference. And so we would love this Easter to let you have one of our Bibles and let that be a gift to you. Uh, so please feel free to take a Bible with you if you don't have one. So we're in John chapter 20. Now as you're turning there, uh, before I dive in, let me give you a little preview. We are uh, ending our season of a series called The Seven Sayings of Jesus from the Cross. And next week we are starting a brand new series called Empowered. Um, and this series is all about looking at great men and women of God throughout the Bible and looking at the way that God empowered them as they began to follow His direction for their lives. And so if you don't have a church home um, and you're thinking about making one, uh, you know, s making roots somewhere, uh, we would love to invite you to join us here. We have this service here at 930 and we have a modern service that meets in our fellowship hall on the north end of our campus at 11 a.m. And so find a place, get connected and become part of the family of God. The room was silent. It had only been silent for about a day, but it seemed like it had been silent for an eternity. It was still. That, that kind of stillness that makes everyone in the room uncomfortable. But no one was about to say a word. No one was about to break the silence or the stillness. It wasn't the time. Everyone was so serious. Everyone felt so defeated, so beaten down. I mean, they had lost everything. And everyone in that room was thinking the same thing. Every thought was on the same statement. What now? What now? We have dedicated our lives. We left everything and we have spent the last three years on one person. What now? What do we do now? Hope was lost. Future was uncertain. There was business to be taken care of. Uh, they knew that the body had to be prepared. Uh, it was customary, but they had to wait. They had to wait for the Sabbath to pass. They knew that at some point, someone was going to have to answer the question, what now? They knew, everyone in that room knew, that at some point, someone was going to have to stand up and say, guys, we have to make a decision. We can't sit in this room the rest of our lives. We have to face our fears, and we've got to walk out into that world and figure out what's next. But no one wanted to be the one to make that step. No one wanted to stand up and break that silence and disturb that stillness. 
People came and went. You know, somebody had to go get food. Someone had to go and take care of their personal life here and there. And of course, Sunday morning came. And the women got up out of the room early that morning. They went and bought the necessary supplies to take care of his body. But then they returned. But they didn't just return. They were raving crazy mad. They were talking about someone stealing the body and that he had risen and and something was going on. They they were talking so quickly that the words were spilling out of their mouths so fast that they couldn't keep up with what the women were saying. What was going on? Jesus is gone. Was he stolen? Is he there? What's, What's happening? Some of us went. They went to go see what happened and sure enough, The stone was gone, and that carved-out tomb was empty. But we still didn't have an answer to the question, where was he? What had happened? I'll be honest, I don't think any of us in that room really believed that he had risen. I think the women did. They experienced something, but those of us who were hunkered down in that room, we did not believe that. And then, the time had passed, and we were in that room, and again, there was the silence, there was the stillness, there was the awkwardness. The doors locked, the windows shut, and suddenly we looked up and our Savior was there. He was standing in the room with us. It was undeniable who He was. He literally held His hands out and you could see the holes. You could see in His side. He was alive! He had risen from the grave. And we worshipped like we had never worshipped before. It was life-changing. And then suddenly, he was gone. He wasn't there anymore. He just disappeared. It's not as if he walked to the door and opened it and left. He was just gone. But there was one of us who wasn't there. There was one of us who was out getting food that day. And when he returned, we were ecstatic. The energy in the room had completely changed. It was no longer silent. It was no longer still. The awkwardness had been pushed out the door. But despite what he saw and heard from us, he still didn't believe. How could he? He had not seen the risen Savior. He had not heard the words of his Savior. And then a short time later, Thomas with us, again, Jesus appeared. 
And he appeared specifically for Thomas, approaching him, saying, Thomas, I know that you don't believe, but put your hands in the scars. See my side. And Thomas, looking at his Savior, fell to his knees. My Lord and my God, he had changed. His mind was convinced. His Savior truly had risen from the grave. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. I think Thomas was probably responding in exactly the same way that any one of us in this room would have responded in that moment. Think about it for a moment. We have the 2020 hindsight of being able to look back in history and knowing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened. We can look. We have the evidence. But Thomas didn't have any of that. Thomas walked into a room full with raving madmen is what he thought. He thought everybody had lost their mind from the stress And the silence and the stillness. And Thomas doubted. But I think every single one of us in this room would have doubted as well. I think every single one of us in this room would have seen those men and women and thought, you've all gone crazy. I'm the only sane one left. So let's look at what Thomas did and said. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps and I want you to turn to John chapter 20 starting in verse 19. Starting in verse 19. It says this, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came And stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I can put my finger where the nails were and put my hand Into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. What an amazing account of something that happened after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think there is so much for us to glean, so much for us to learn here. You see, Thomas was dealing with a sorrow that I don't think we could understand. He had taken three years of his life and had singly focused, laser focused on the one person of Jesus Christ. He truly believed that his entire life, the the rest of his future, was going to be invested in this one person. And then what happens? That person died. What now? What am I going to do with my life now? I abandoned everything. I left my career. I walked away from my family to follow this Jesus. And now he's dead? What am I going to do with my life? Maybe I can go beg my boss back for my job. Maybe I can reconcile with my family and try and put things back together. But guys, there is a very good reason why Thomas doubted. Let's give the guy some credit. He wasn't an idiot. He was a realist. He seriously thought, I think, that all of the other disciples had simply lost their minds. And he was responding as the one sane person in the room. But here's the thing. When he experienced Jesus... His life was changed. When he had the opportunity to see Jesus, that was all he needed. And his life turned in a completely different direction. So here's my big idea. Here's that one statement that if you ignore everything that I say this morning, if you're taking uh, doodling on your, your, your bulletin or, or you're playing a game on your device, I want you to just pause it for a moment. And I want you to hear this one statement. And this one statement is this. Experiencing the reality of Jesus' love will change a life of doubt. When we come face to face with the love of the Son of God, when we come face to face with the love that Jesus Christ has for us, it can change any amount of doubt. Did Jesus really rise from the grave? Yes. But it's not physically possible. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. God's making a statement. And His love can destroy any doubt when we truly experience that love. You see, Jesus Christ was the Son of God and is the Son of God. He was sent here. He he was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And despite having never committed a sin, never committing a crime... He was wrongly condemned to death on a cross. But that death was for our good. That's why we call Friday Good Friday. Why would we call the death of a person good? Because His shed blood is what enables us to be forgiven of our sins. You see, every single one of us on the face of the earth is born 
with a disease, a disease called sin. And the only cure that's out there is the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we don't take the cure, if we don't accept that cure into our own lives, then our future, our eternity is pain and death. But when we embrace, when we accept that perfect cure, when we accept the blood of Jesus, suddenly our eternity isn't pain and death. Our eternity is a perfect existence in heaven. That's what Jesus did when He died on the cross. And to prove that He was who He said He was, on the third day, He miraculously rose from the dead. He witnessed, was witnessed by many people. And then after a time, He ascended and He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That gift, that cure is free to anyone who would accept it. That's the message of Easter Sunday. But Thomas doubted. Thomas had difficulty believing what everyone else was so quick to accept because they had seen the risen Savior. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just want to save us. Jesus also wants to bless us. Jesus wants us to have joy and happiness. Jesus wants us to have true peace. And how do we know that? How do we know that He wants us to be blessed? Because He said so in verse 29. In verse 29, listen to what Jesus says to Thomas after Thomas proclaims his belief in Him. Jesus said, Because you have seen Me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those. Does that mean your life as a follower of Christ is going to be easy peasy? No. It means that Jesus Christ wants to give you the spiritual blessings of eternity. And every single one of us can have that. But for many of us, it's hard to even imagine who Jesus is and what Jesus did. For some of us, we can't wrap our minds around the idea of who He is and what He did for us. It's too big. It's too out there. It's too unbelievable. And so, we doubt. You see, some of us can't even imagine the idea of the joy and the peace and the hope that Jesus provides. Even that is too far away. Even that is too hard to understand. But here's the thing. He offers it freely to everyone. And so if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, He is offering that life-changing relationship, that life-changing hope to you this morning. He is saying, accept my offer. Accept that free gift and follow me. Follow me and let your life be about me. Will you accept His call? Will you accept the call 
that Jesus brings to you. He wants to bless you. You just have to accept Him as your Savior and your Lord. But here's the thing. For some of us, it's hard to imagine because we've dug our heels into the life that we've embraced. For some people, we claim to know Jesus, but our life doesn't reflect it. We claim to be saved. We claim to have the peace and the joy that Jesus has promised, but we don't live it in our lives. I've known Christians all my life. Well, let me flip that statement. I've known people who claimed to be Christians all my life who were horrible people. I've known people who claimed to be Christians who were swindlers, who were cheaters, who were the last definition of a joyful person. And every single one of you in this room is thinking of somebody, aren't you? Right now. You're going, yeah. You could name them. Sadly, we could probably name enough to point, pick our fingers up. Count them on our hands because there's so many who can't even imagine living a life of joy even though they claim to know the one true so- source of joy and peace. This message is not for those who don't know Christ only. It's a message to all of us in this room. The disciples were sitting in that room, and what do you think their response was when they saw the risen Savior? They had a party! They celebrated! I can't imagine the noise that came from that room! Yet there are some of us sitting in these pews right now who have never celebrated Jesus a day in their life, yet they claim to know Him. Our lives should be different because of Jesus. Thomas's life was different because he experienced the love of Jesus. Is your life different? Has your life been changed by the Savior? Because it can be. That's the good news of Easter, is that it can be changed. And all you have to do is accept that free gift and allow His hope and His peace and His joy to change your life. So what is God calling you to this morning? Where are you? In that walk, in that journey that Jesus has laid out in front of you. Maybe you're sitting here going, hmm, I've never actually stepped into this relationship with Jesus. I've never taken that step. And this morning, the good news is, is that you can. Maybe you're in here this morning and you've begun a relationship with Jesus But maybe you're that guy or that woman who's sitting there going, I'm the grumpy person. I'm the swindler. I'm the cheater. Uh, I'm the one without joy. How does that change? How do I stop living the life of doubt and embrace the resurrection and truth of Jesus? Jesus can change you today as well. That's the message of the cross and of the resurrection, is that nothing is impossible for Jesus. No life is so damaged that Jesus can't come in and redeem it. 
So does your life need redemption today? Where are you? What is God calling you to do? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came, he lived, he died and rose from the grave to save us from our sin and our doubts. And God, I, I pray this morning that this Easter, I'm with family, or it would not just be about coming to church, but that this Easter would be about a life changed for you. So Lord, touch our lives. Change us from the inside out so that we can have the peace and the hope and the joy that only you can provide. Thank you for your son. Thank you for being willing to sacrifice him for our sake. And give us the courage to respond in the way that you call us to respond this morning. We thank you, we praise you, and we lift this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.